Welcome back to the Get Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Credit. Alongside me, as always, is Grant. Today, we have a very special guest today. His name is John Horner. John's uh, relationship to me, long time uh, friends, uh, best friends from uh, as early as possibly can be uh, playing Game Boy in the dugout of Little League. <laughs> uh, but we're bringing John on today. The topic that we are going to discover is going to be primarily option trading, talking covered calls and cash covered puts. Grant, what do you have to add right now before we, before we bring John in? Nothing. This is a new, uh, a new, new way to generate revenue for people like us who have disposable income, not just to buy the stock, but a different way of uh, gambling the stock. I don't know if gambling is the right word for it. So I'm very interested to hear what your guest has to say. It sounds like he's been doing it for a little bit longer than we have and he's successful or successful to his degree of success. Uh, and I just want to know what he knows so I can always take a piece of that breadcrumb and apply it to what I currently do today. Yeah, I think this episode is going to be fun. It's just going to be more us interviewing, um, you know, the guest this week. We're going to ask him his thoughts. We're going to ask, you know, how he looks at things, uh, the values of trading options. Uh, and then obviously we'll get into some of the downsides and the detractors. So furthermore, the wait is no more. John, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Get Ready Podcast. Grant, Josh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you making some time to call in today. First off, before we get into all this, give me your, you know, elevator pitch on your journey through investing and what led you to kind of covered calls. So kind of walk us down. I know you've only been investing, if I'm correct, about a couple of years. Well, that's correct. Um, before we get there, so I actually come through the employer 401k side, uh, my normal career <laughs> would be in human resources. So I'm used to meeting with employees, telling them, A, what a 401k is, what a Roth 401k is. Um, so I am talking to employees at the initial, uh, it's a blue collar company. A lot of people don't know what a 401k is. So I really enjoy um, introducing that aspect to their lives. But also um, I do have some close buddies, as you've mentioned, who like to invest, like to do options. Uh, but more of my introduction to investing would be through the employer 401k side. Yeah, I was going to say, before we move any further, uh, we've kind of ex taken a sh our shot at explaining the employer side of retirement. Why mm -hmm. don't we hear it from the horse's mouth? What do you say to your em employees of your company that you work for? How do you describe these 401ks um, as a true, as a true ambassador of the HR yeah. employee, employer. So uh, I get employees all the way from 20 years old to 50 years old. And when you see employees at 50 years old, they're on top of their game most of the time. They know what a 401k is. They ask how they can roll it over. Going even further, they know what an HSA is or a health savings account. Then on the other side, I get 20, 25 year olds. Um, who don't know what a 401k is, uh, do not know what a match, a safe harbor, things of those aspects. And I actually enjoy saying, hey, you know, trust me on this. Um, it's a family owned business. They really care about uh, retiring their employees there. Very low turnover, um, long tenured employees. Um, so it's, it's conveying that message of, if I make a thousand bucks a week, and I do 6%, that is $60. Now to some people, $60 is 
That's quite a bit. Um, but if you can put this $60 away, I'm going to give you an additional $60 through a combination of a match and a safe harbor. So explaining this to new employees, it's something I enjoy. I love checking in on their accounts and seeing, hey, I, I just reached 2,500. I'm up to 10,000, I'm up to 1,500. And some of these employees, you know, it, that, that's a big deal. So, so that's so, kind of the aspect I, I come from um, in working in HR is mostly 401ks. So Horner, you come from a blue collar, probably small town. Um, how do you, so most of these people that you, you talk to, the employees are probably paycheck to paycheck. So how do you convince them uh, to give a little bit of their paycheck away to save for later when they really so probably that, need every bit of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's something that a lot of employers uh, struggle with, to be honest. Um, we just recently went to an auto 6%. Um, so I hire you, Grant. We have a six-month waiting period. Let's say on 1-1, one, one, I'm starting you at 6% unless you say something. Now, I don't do the initial paperwork and you're off on your own. I'm still meeting with you. I'm showing you, Grant, if you do 3%, we match 32 if you do 5%, we do this. But I try and tell employees, let's start at 6%. Let's see how it goes. Um, and a lot of the time, if I can get away from that initial meeting with 6%, um, they rarely come back and, and lower that, which is, which is the goal, is to keep them at least getting the employer match. So they come back and they probably come back often, uh, quite a few times to some degree asking when they can take it out. What if I leave? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's no way, you know, they, they call it weak hands in the, in the community of stack trading. And there's no way people who know how much money they have in that account don't, can't touch it unless it was for you being the gatekeeper. And I'll tell you what, to elaborate on that, especially now with COVID, um, with the ease of restrictions on borrowing that money, uh, I have seen an increase in our employer loans. Um, it's a little easier to withdraw the money right now. Um, but hey, it is your money. Um, there are tax implement tax complications when you come to withdrawing that. But uh, you're exactly right. That's something that a lot of employers struggle a getting it in there and b keeping it in there. And you say this keeping getting it in there and keeping it in there it isn't a benefit to the employer it's literally costing the employer money they would actually make more money if you <laughs> didn't do it but they want it they want you to be happy and set sail off into the sunset i'll tell you what i mean it is hard to get good employees and i thought that was just a saying you know oh it's it's hard to hire people but it really is and when you get someone good you want to do it the right way. You want to take care of them. You want to make sure they have an HSA, medical insurance. Hey, do you need vision? Because just like a 401k is an investment, and good employees are an investment. So you're exactly right on that. I love it. That's just good sound business advice. So transitioning out of the more employer realm, how did you kind of get into, you know, stock trading. And now, I mean, I mean, you're kind of a level three, you're like, a, you're like a level 55 Charizard out here. <laughs> trading, I don't, trading I don't know about so, that, but it, it's something I very, I enjoy so much. Uh, it's something that was introduced to me by our company uh, accountant. 
He's been on me for years to do this. And similar to the normal, I guess when you first hear about it, it's A, I don't want to mess with the taxes. B, I, I just don't want to mess with it. I'm fine right now with my, my dividends and the way I'm going. And hey, that's fine. This is just another vehicle, just another aspect. It's not something I would go 100% into. Um, it's just very enjoyable, but it's also very financially, it can have a huge impact uh, on your portfolio if done correctly. They say you need three hobbies, right? right? One that keeps you in shape, one that keeps you, I don't know, something, and one that makes you money. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's also something that um, I've listened to some of your previous podcasts. You, you know, you've got the, the apples. Um, you talked about Coke and Warren Buffett. Um, that, that's fine. You've got to have those. But this strategy, which we'll get into, um, is something you can kind of get outside your comfort zone and learn about different companies. And in a way, it is gambling. Um, you talked about that in the intro. But we're going to talk about some strategies to limit that um, that aspect of it. I think we should real quick before we get into I'm excited to hear this, but we should really define to our listeners the amount of risk that this takes because when we say you make money, you get taxed on that. If you don't make money, you don't get taxed on that. So you, you as the person hold all of the risk and all of this when you're, when you're gambling your money. So you make a profit, you gotta <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, you're exactly right. And this is a strategy. Um, this is not like opening the book and it's black and white. This is something you're going to call the shots. You're going to call how long the game is. Uh, what the score of the game is, and how aggressive you want to be. Um, and, and before we say there's no risk in this, there's absolutely a risk. <laughs> but if you are in the stock market, um, these are stock. These are stock. Never do any options, whether uh, it's puts, calls. Don't do any of this on stocks you don't want to own long term, because we'll talk about examples where uh, if you're not comfortable with Goodyear tire, you may be stuck with Goodyear tire till February, digging yourself out of a hole. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I just want to make a quick quip uh, here. You guys act like uh, that stocks are really risky and like a little gambling, so to speak. I don't know if you guys have ever met my really good friend Jerome Powell, who works at the <laughs> Federal Reserve. He's just gonna crank that money printer up anytime things get bad, and we're gonna get bailed out. So. I say that tongue in cheek. There is obviously risk. This isn't true financial investment. This is supposed to be for entertainment purposes. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think stocks are all that risky in my opinion. I think if you choose some just good stocks, when we can talk about what good means, you're probably pretty safe for a long term. It's when you get into this, it's when you get to the craps table and you see, you know, um, the make them alls and all these other kind of side bets. This is what this is and where you can make a lot of money really quick or you can lose it. Uh, this is where I think a lot of the people who can't just sit there and own a stock and sell it later down the road who just don't have so, the attention span. Let me be the first person to tell you, I am the guy who bets. I'm watching right now the Seahawks and Eagles. I'm the guy who bets a dime on games. I am so conservative. I hate gambling. But with this, I get to call the shots and I get to determine how aggressive I am. I think that is a great analogy on the craps table. Um, it, it's my choice whether I want to bet on the hard eight or 
I think that's a great, great uh, analogy, Grant. All right, I'm I'm done. That's all I need to do. See you guys. You guys are gonna finish this up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. So let's just jump in here. So okay. when we're talking about options, um, yep. no pun intended. There's a couple different options you have. Let's just start off. What are the basics? I believe there's a call and there's a put. How would you explain a call? Okay, so to explain a call or to explain any option, the first thing we're gonna talk about is a contract or a hundred shares to do a call or a put. So for example, let's stay on Goodyear Tire. Uh, Goodyear trades around $10. So to do either option, you must have $1,000 to buy 100 shares. So to keep it easy, let's say Goodyear Tire is $10. So I am going to, in the call example, I'm going to buy the 100 shares at $10 for a thousand bucks. Now, here's what I talk about when I say I get to control the length of the game. There are certain stocks, depending on the amount of volume traded, that are weekly calls, monthly calls, or quarterly calls, which are a little less um, common, but most are weekly and monthly calls. Now, Goodyear Tire, let's say I buy it today is November 30th. I buy 100 shares, $10, $1,000. In this example, I am bullish on Goodyear Tire. I think it's going to go up. How much do I think it's going to go up? Well, there's what's called a premium. And what this is, is the amount of money. So let me back up here. An option is between two parties. So not only, and I'll use Josh as an example, I have purchased the 100 shares of Goodyear Tire for $1,000. I am now in a contract with Josh for those 100 shares. I am going to determine whether I'm gonna sell those to Josh at 1050, at 11, 1150, 12, you know, and so on. Obviously, as you go higher up on what's called the strike price, your premium comes down. So Josh may be saying this Friday, uh, the strike date, December 4th, I want to buy your Goodyear tire price, your stock at 1150. And for that, I'm going to give you $7. Now, Josh is gonna give me the $7 right up front. So I still own the shares. Josh now has the right to buy the shares from me from now until the end of the trading day on Friday 12-4. And in exchange for that, Josh will give me $7. Now, $7 doesn't sound like a lot, but again, this is a weekly call. Um, I almost treat them as small dividends. You know, if I can sell seven of these, let's say, I just made $49. And if it go, if the price goes to 13, I sell to Josh at 1250. Um, and yeah. as we talk about this, yeah, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, so, so I was gonna jump in here, right? You said it wasn't yeah. that much money. So I'm gonna try to bring it back in. I'm gonna give my quick explanation and I want Grant, if you have anything to add. So when you are looking at call option, it's basically the right to call the stock away. 
uh, I get to buy it, right? To buy the stock. Now, if I want the option to buy it, I can go in and pay you, John. I think the stock will be $12, you know, by the end of Friday. So I'm going to give you, you know, seven cents per $11 a share to try to buy it at $11 a share. So then I make 93 cents per share. Um, so I am giving up. This is where Grant, you talked about the gambling and the, the extra risk portion. I could lose all seven cents. So I could lose the entire $7 because it has to be in 100 lot increments. I could lose that entire $7 and you could keep it. And that's kind of the, I guess, risk aspect of now, if it expires worthless and you get to keep my $7, the stock trades at 10, you said, oh, you only make $7, but that's pretty good. That's seven, that's seven tenths of a percent. Multiply that by 52, you're looking at a pretty good return. Yeah, let, let, me, jump, let me jump in real quick. That's, those are good analogies. Call going up, put going down. That's the easiest way to look at it. And you're just betting on what you think that price is going to be and the date that you select in the future. So in seven days. Do you think the price is going to go up and then buy a call? And at what point do you buy that call is the premium you pay. The premium is just the cost of doing business is what I tell people. It's like me and Horner want to jump into a, a contract, whatever the premium is, that's the premium that I have to pay. That's the cost it takes me to give to him in order for me to actually play this game. And if once I, the, the more money it is, the means the closer it is to the strike price, the further away you are from the strike price, the less the money is. That's, that's essentially how I tell people. And, uh, it's hard that to explain. Is in a nutshell. Yes. It's hard to explain time to people, though. That's wh that's where really where I stumble when I tell people like, yeah, time's a factor. Like, yeah, your money's going up, but if you're getting closer to that end date, your price is going down because of the amount of time left down there. And the no, you're right. And and the Greek symbol on that is theta. As you get into advanced options, um, the different Greeks determine the option premium. And you're exactly right. I sell the $12 call to Josh. As we get closer to Friday and the strike date, um, that option premium is going to lessen in value. And this is going to segue into buying calls, which I'm not as familiar with, but I know it's a way to make quick money with less equity. Because again, when we're selling the call, we own the shares. So if I'm going to own 10,000 worth of Apple, um, you know, I may play around and play with some options on 3,000 of it. When you are buying a call, it's the exact same principle, except you're on the other end. You are agreeing to buy the 100 shares. So I get some people say, why aren't you just buying a bunch of calls? You know, for, for example, let's say Starbucks trades in the mid nineties. Um, some of the up and coming, up and coming traders like to buy out of the money calls, $106 January 15th Starbucks calls. And you may call, you may buy that for $65 as the price of Starbucks increases. So does your option. You bought it for 65, you may be able to sell it for 131. You just doubled your money in a month. Here's why I don't like that grant, because if it goes south, let's say Starbucks goes to 75, 70, your option premium will dissolve fast. And you just bought that option at 65 
it may be worth $3 now. But don't forget when you are buying the call option, you are, you are agreeing to buy 100 shares. So when that strike date comes, you've got to fork over the you know, $10,000 to buy those shares. So when I get people with $2,000, $5,000 in their account and they're trading options on Tesla, I am pumping the brakes. We want to encourage people to own the shares. Do these deals on stocks that you want to own. And I say stocks, you can do these on ETFs. You can do these on most of the popular stocks. Um, so I, I want to stress, we, and we want to own the shares and do this on stocks that we're gonna own anyway. We're trying to squeak out extra money in renting, quotation marks, these stocks to people um, and, and sell out of the money calls and collect extra premium. Yeah, so let's bring it back a little bit. Um, you know, Grant, great job explaining calls and puts. Um, and now we are going to transition into um, covered call, you know, as a trade. And that's what you just, you just, you described very well. A covered call is you own 100 shares of Starbucks um, and you're selling out of the money. You're selling, what I like, the, what I've heard before is you're selling a lottery ticket. Someone mm -hmm. is, betting that the stock will go up significantly. They're betting a very little, little to win a lot um, in the business, in the sports gambling business, that's called, you know, a dog or a long shot. And you are betting a hundred to one horse, so to speak, to win the race. Um, now what you were saying is you're saying own the share. So let's start, let's, let's rewind and let's start. How do, what is a covered call? We've explained that. So now John, if we are going to execute a covered call, the first step we're going to do is we are going to buy $100 or oh, 100, 100 shares, shares of okay. that company. Correct. So let's use a company for an example. Okay. I love the long shot example though. I love that. It's like Cam Newton on the, the Patriots or Philip Rivers on, you know, Colts, just total long shot. You could win. It's possible. But and I mean. that's exactly what we're selling. We are selling that RG3 is going to come back and win the NFC championship. You're telling and me Tom Brady's got another on one? The other end of that deal. <laughs> that, that is what we're trying to accomplish. We're selling a little bit of hopium, which I there, love to sell. There really is no way to lose in a covered call world as long as you're not in love with the stock. If you just like stocks and you want to, you're okay with selling only 100 or 200, whatever your contracts are. Uh, you're always going to make money, even if it does what you say, quote unquote, expire, and you're you have to give up those hundred too. And I love to hear that you guys said that seven dollars. Um, I, I was testing you there because I live for the seven dollars. Hey, I trade marathon. It trades six dollars a share right now. There, I there is nothing more that gets me excited than when I sell the six fifty call for six dollars. I I mean, I love that feeling because you you nailed it on the head hey six dollars times 52 weeks this baby is open year round we're doing <laughs> weekly calls now this is just my strategy i like doing weekly calls i like shortening the game my very first call i did was on marvell technology a 5g one of kramer's favorites i bought it at like 23 
and this was back in February, I sold a January 2021 call of 35. So I said the stock was going to go up $9 and I got maybe $100 to do that, that deal. In like April, this thing was all the way up in the high 30s. And we can talk about this. You can purchase back your option. Let me explain that. I buy 100 shares of Goodyear at 10. I am selling Josh the covered call at 13. I wake up Thursday morning and it is at $16. The, sh the shares are at $16 a share. On one hand, great, you know, my, cause again, we still own the shares. We're going up as Josh goes up, mm -hmm. but I have to sell those shares, remember to Josh at 13. But there is an option for me to purchase that covered call back. Now in that example, it's gonna cost me probably $350, $400 to buy that option back. Now I'm not buying it back from Josh, I'm buying it back from someone else in the market. Um, so that's important. Um, but here's, and we'll talk about puts, how these come into play. That is something I don't recommend. This is why when you are selling these, I want you to do your homework and I want you to be comfortable with the trade right as you do it. Hey, I made $300 on Goodyear. Sure, Josh is gonna get the other 300. We're fine with that. We move on to the next week. I don't want you getting greedy and trying to stretch a, in this example, 30% profit, trying to get that extra 45.50. See, <laughs> so, man, yeah, we, we speak more in percentages anyway. So when you mentioned $7 at the, as the precursor to this podcast, we laugh because it's like, well, $7 to what? So it's all relative. You know, somebody's trading with a thousand, someone's trading with a hundred thousand. And it's just as long as you stick in the percentage world and take what, two, 3% a week. Is that what you're, is that what you're advising? That is a great week. I try to shoot for a little over 1%. Um, and we'll talk about, I have a certain portfolio. You guys talk about your dogs, your apples, and Josh's sense is Bed Bath & Beyonds. I've mm. got mine where I like to sell high out of the money calls. I'm willing to give up in premium, but I want to hold on. McDonald's, Visa, American Express. I'm selling 10% above the price, um, but I'm only getting, you know, 0.2% a week. Then I have a portion of my portfolio, the Pelotons, the Overstocks. Um, those, for example, let's say, so Peloton, I've been trading anywhere between 90 and 110. So in my Peloton uh, example, I buy it at 100 and I'm selling the 100 call. I'm purchasing it for a hundred and I'm selling it a weekly call for a hundred and say, well, why would you do that? Well, when you do that on a stock with that much volatility, I'm getting $400 to do that deal. So if I wake up Friday and Peloton's 120, Ooh, you know, I'm selling that to Josh for a hundred. That trader makes, you know, $2,000 when I'm stuck with my 400, but, the stock goes down to 91. I keep my $300. And then next week, I'll sell the 100. I never sell calls for lower than when I purchased the price. So I get the question all the time after A, I don't want to pay taxes. It's B, well, how do you lose in this, Johnny? 
<laughs> you lose by selling your assets for lower than you purchased them for. So let me give you an example of when you could panic and try and get out. I buy Peloton at 100. Uh, you know, we get the vaccine, people go back to the gyms, Peloton goes down to 60. Shoot, okay. In this example, what we're going to do is stretch out the date of which we're selling our calls. I am no longer getting action on my weekly $100 strike price calls. Um, nobody's biting on that. So what you would do in that example is try and stretch it out a month or two. Maybe I sell the February $100 call and I get $75 to do that. Okay, it comes around to February, it goes back to 105. Okay, I still made money in that example, but in those two months, I maybe only made, you know, 3.7%. That is where it could get a little hairy is when your stock jumps down in a significant amount of time, but you're still making money. It's taking you longer to get to that price. So in a perfect world, this volatility is perfect for options right now. We are in a great market to sell these for high premium. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, Josh and I have been doing it for a little bit. Maybe Josh, you want to expand on that? Like how, what are you currently doing? What are some option plays that you have? And maybe Horner gives well, us I was to, Let's say run through an example real quick. And I like, let's use the Peloton. Um, mm -hmm. I, so today, if you wanted to get in the Peloton game, you got to buy uh, 100 shares, a, a $115 a share. So that's going to cost you 11500 So I own the shares now. Now I want to come in here and I'm going to pick a weekly expiration, right? So we, we bought the shares. That's step one. Step two, we're going to look at the weekly expirations. All right. Not all of them have it, but Peloton does. So they have a weekly expiration. Step three, we're going to pick a strike price. John, Grant, I'm going to ask both of you. John, how do you pick a strike price? There's a bunch of different, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of options. It's like a cheesecake factory menu. How do you decide? So it really depends on A, how much I like the stock, and B, how long do I want to own the stock? Um, you know, if we're talking Apple and something I want to own long time, a long time, I may sell 10 to 15% above the strike price and for apple's sake you know trading around 120 115 i may only get 13 dollars to do that trade so 13 on a thirteen thousand dollar investment is 0.1 percent you may say well that's crazy you know they could come out with a new iphone it could jump to 140 blah 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 why would you sell your shares and put a cap for 13 dollars well, when you look at historical data, um, for a stock to jump, you know, 10 to 15% a week. Again, we don't want to look at options when they get called away as a bad thing. We're coming in with a game plan on these trades. This is no longer I'm holding Apple for 30 years. You are trading. This is exactly yeah. what this is. So we're going into the trade with a goal. I bought the Apple shares in my example for 120 and I'm selling it for 130. You know, that's something with a great company like that, I may do a higher strike price. Josh, in your example, Peloton, these are short trades that I'm doing. I either, you know, sell these calls on Monday for a Friday or I may even sell them as late as Thursday. And I may say, 
you know, you said it cost 11500 to get in. These are the kind of trades where I'm selling it right at the strike or I'm selling it even a dollar less. Again, a dollar less. You said, well, you never want to do that. Well, here is why you could do this. You will get a little extra money if I buy, in your example, uh, $115 for Peloton. I may sell the weekly call at 112. I'm taking a $300 loss on the equity, but I'm getting $780 in premiums to do that trade. Now, if Peloton ends lower than my strike, guess what? You're keeping all of that. Um, so I don't have a set rule. Um, we talked about, you know, you asked, what do you like to get in a week? Uh, I talk in percentages, just like Grant was talking about. I like to get anywhere between one and 2%. In that Peloton example, that would be my big play of the week. If I were to get $800 on that $11,000 investment, that that's a big trade. Um, so not everything, now I'm just speaking on myself, not everything is, um, you know, the big premiums. We don't do this to chase premiums. You can have a certain portion of your portfolio to do that, but that's not the object of this game. And that's not the object of this podcast is to go out and say, hey, we want to go on, you know, overstock and SPACs and things like that and just get really risky. There's a reason why those premiums are high. There's a lot of volatility that I could wake up tomorrow and Peloton's at 75, but that's a risk I'm willing to take on that portion of my portfolio um, to gain that $700 in premiums. I'll chime in here with Peloton. I've been looking at it for a little bit, about one fifteen. It's about $115 right now. Uh, one of the first things I look for is what Horner mentioned it, just an intangible. Do I like the stock or not? What's it doing? What's, what's its market cap? But I always try to look like what happened a month before this. And a month before this, it was trading at about 125, dropped down. Now it's starting to trend upwards. So when I pick an option, I try to stick within, I try to say three or four call or put options within the strike price. So right now, 115 is the number. So I would look at a 116, 117, 118, and $119 call for December 4th. I'd always just do it within a small increment. So tomorrow's Tuesday. I get, what, three days, four trading days. I'd probably choose a $119 call for four options away for $330 in my premium. Take it. If it goes over, it goes over. I have a hard time thinking it'll go over. And if it does, I I'm comfortable with that because it hasn't really done much in the past month outside of 123 on November 6th. So I I'm pretty close to where I saw what it could be a month ago. I I'm happy with that. If it sells, if it doesn't, I sell 100, 100 shares and I'm $330 richer. That's my Peloton. Yeah, and I really like that example, Grant. I'm going to elaborate a little bit more just to kind of show the numbers. So you're in at 115 a share, and you got $3.30. So you're getting 2.8% to write that call. That's what they. That's what the fancy speak is. You're writing mm -hmm. that call. You're giving someone the option. Like You're getting 2.8% off the rip. Now, if you can do that over a long period of time, I mean, you're talking – I mean, that's a, that's a large percentage gain annually, year after year after year. Yeah, two times two percent a week times what fifty six weeks a year. I mean, fifty two weeks. Yeah, I mean that's a hundred hundred percent plus. Yeah. So oh. I, I I want to stop you right there because as great as that sentence is, <laughs> so many people that don't understand a 
They get scared about taxes. And let's talk about taxes real quick. The premium, the option premiums you collect are taxed at your income. Um, so you make 50,000 a year, you're gonna be taxed at that. You make 500,000 a year, you're taxed at that. For some reason, that scares people. Um, I know we talk about buying a stock and holding it for greater than a year. But again, this is trading. Um, so I just wanna touch base on that, that Josh, what you just said is exactly correct. But for 99% of the people, and I don't understand why, it scares the living out of them. I don't, I don't get it. What are your yeah, guys' thoughts on that? I look at it very simply as this, is I'm getting 50% of the money that I didn't have. And maybe I have to pay more taxes on that. But paying taxes on 50%, I only have to pay, what, 15? So I'm still up 35%. So where I'm getting seven, 8%, I'm, I'm getting 35% here after I pay taxes. Um, so I, I look at that and, I, and I'm going to say, well, I have a pizza, right? So I'm hungry. You're going to give me another pizza and I'm going to complain about it because I got to give away 13, 30% of that second pizza. Well, I, it's still more pizza at the end of the day. Yeah, you're being, you're being taxed on everything you do anyways. What do you, what do you care? I'd rather be taxed on new income I'm making. Uh, I think people, what Josh and I have learned, and I, maybe he learned this before me, is like, if you just spend more money on calls or on puts, just be as close to the strike price as possible, try to have a longer date uh, and, and spend a little bit more money. It's harder to turn. People go on here and they see sticker shock and they're like, oh man, I can get something in four days for $7 away. And it's traditionally, you know, trades at, you know, 10 to 15 cents a day. You're thinking, of course it's, of course it's $10 for a hundred share <laughs> for one contract over there. People just try to, they try to hit the home run ball. And what we've realized is like, hey man, if you just put $2,400 and buy two contracts of a stock, that's pretty pretty solid uh, in your opinion. And you do it for three, four months out, you, you're more than likely to hit it, gonna hit it unless like a coronavirus second wave comes and we shut everything down. And But then we got the j printer. So I think we got security measures and checks and balances in, in place, right? It's America, we have the reserve currency. Absolutely. My best stocks that I've been writing calls on, and Josh is going to hate this, is Marathon Oil. Mm. I purchased Marathon at $4.50, and I've been pounding $4.50, $5.50. Right now, Marathon's up over $6. I am pounding those 4 to $5 a week premiums. My cost basis on that initial investment is probably down in the high 200s. That's because he so, hates oil. He's an electric guy. Tesla, the whole nine yards. Like you just can't get someone to join that industry. And you are someone that loves the small battles. Get yourself an Excel spreadsheet, track <laughs> your initial investment, and start on these weekly calls. And you will be amazed at how much, not only percentage, but lowering your cost basis on the original investment. For the record, I don't hate success. What you just what you just <laughs> exemplified was uh, just success. So yeah, I may not marathon may never be a stock for me, but that's for other people to decide. I also don't like Tesla, but um, that's that's a topic for another day. Um, what I really appreciate is what you just said. There's a couple of things you need to do here, right? If you're going to do this, you need to get a spreadsheet and you got to track it because if you're not tracking it, then you're not paying attention. You're not, you're not sure if your ducks are in a row. You're not sure how much you're actually returning. Um, you need to make sure you have a handful of um, stocks that you like and they got to be loves. Uh, I'm going to 
there's a workhorse stock out there, right? John, I believe you and another colleague of ours brought that one up, but they're like, hey, it's really spicy. The premiums are great, but this thing is all hinged on one potential customer and you don't want to be in a stock like that. So pick stocks that are going to be around for the foreseeable future and being willing to bounce in and out of these, ping pong these premiums back and forth and uh, earn some extra income on this side of the investment. And what you also said is this doesn't need to be your whole portfolio. Like you should have your 401k. You should have your buy and holds. You should have your dividends. You should have your home run hitters. It should be all that. This should be a asset, another, um, another way, another wrinkle in your portfolio, so to speak. So I'm going to call it back. I'm going to rewind it because I want to jump into another, another segment about doing short puts. So first of all, to, Recap or covered calls. Step one, you got to own 100 shares of the said stock. Step two, pick a strike price out of the money on a weekly expiration preferred. Uh, step three, sell the call um, at the chosen strike price above the, call, uh, above the share price currently. Step four, wait for expiration. Uh, you know, I, I've sent it to one or a few times where things are just expiring. You got to keep all the premiums and your stocks didn't blow through the strike price. Those are great weeks. Those are the best weeks. Uh, um, and then a couple of side notes. If it drops, you're going to have to lengthen your expiration. So if Peloton, like we said, drops $25 instead of selling that weekly because no one's going to buy it, go out a month, go out a quarter, go out six months if you have to, go get your premium that way and understand you might be holding the bag for a little bit, but we're going to grind it out. They're not going anywhere. Um, and we're, we're going to have to be a little bit more patient on that. Um, so anything you guys want to add real quick? No, this sounds, this sounds great. I mean, people like, like examples of stocks. They know affordable stocks. You know, I love Peloton. I don't know how many people can afford a hundred contracts of Peloton uh, as disposable income. I, I, I could see more of like the, when you said marathon, I was thinking of marathon patent group and uh, the company that owns a lot of, it's more like a blockchain and uh, which, which would talk more into the Bitcoin world. And I don't know what Horner's take on Bitcoin is. We can talk all day, but uh, it's its own asset category. So, and you can and trade. No, that that's good, Grant, because there is a website that does options on Bitcoin. Um, you want to talk about volatility and premiums. Um, I, I don't recommend that again. From the very first sentence, these are things you want to own long term. Not saying Bitcoin isn't, but don't only do options on stocks you are willing to own long term because as we talk puts here, you're going to find out uh, why. Uh, I want to talk about one story. So they say, uh, have you ever been burned? Well, Again, we only sell our strike price above where we purchase it, but I happened to buy Caesars uh, Entertainment the week that they sold, um, the week that they got bought out. So I bought the shares at $11, and I think I sold the $13 call. I woke up one morning, and it was like $38, and I was thinking, well, what do I do? Again, do not chase and purchase the option back on that. There could be times where we just missed out on $1,500, but instead we got $300. We've got to be happy with that. Again, don't be scared for your option to expire worthless, but also 
don't be scared for your option to be called away. Again, that's a win. We are getting the money on the equity. It's just such a psychological battle to see my Goodyear tire go to Josh at 18 when I sold it to him at 13. I get it. But again, we, we, we did not chase that. Hey, you got to be okay with, with the strike price you pick. You're comfortable selling it. You want to get rid of it for that price. If somebody will pay it for you, yeah. And they're going to pay you to buy it from you at that price, even better. So great example um, of having – it's a mental game as much as anything. You can't get – caught chasing around stuff because then you chase it you buy out and you're like oh i got them at 36 now and i made all this money on the stock it did cost me some in premiums then the stock drops back to 27 because there's merger holdups yada 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 those are all things that happen regularly in the business world uh, great example now moving on let's do a short put so we're going to talk about this is just the opposite of a covered call but it's another way to gain premium and not necessarily own the shares. So I'm going to pick uh, my friend uh, Grant here's favorite stock, Palantir. This is a great example of doing a short put. So short put, you have to have the cash to cover the purchase of the 100 shares. Because what you're going to do is you are going, a put is the right to sell. So we're going to give someone the right to sell us the stock at a certain strike price. Now, out of the money puts are below the current share price. So it's a little flip-flop, so it's backwards. So here's what I did today. I went in um, to my Robinhood, sold a put, and was like, all right, I think Palantir might fall. I don't really care if I own it at 21. So I went in and I sold the $21 put. And I sold that for, I think, 25 cents. So I made just a little over 1%. Right, and it, I'm risking $2,100 and I'm putting in my pocket right away, um, you know, $20. So I'm making a little over 1%. Now, what would happen is if that stock falls below 21, it'll get put to me, meaning somebody will sell it to me for 21, but then I will capture the premium. So similar aspects of a covered call. Um, I actually think this is the first trade most people should make is actually doing a short put. It's a little more counterintuitive, but you don't have to go in and buy the stock price right away. Thoughts? I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think anybody knows that's a thing. You know, nobody goes into the bedroom thinking doggies, the first thing they could do. Like, you know, you just, you, <laughs> you mentioned something that's pretty obscure. Like, Hey, if I just walk into this, I really like Palantir. I know it's at 27, but let's just buy a $21 put. Uh, I'll get 25 bucks for it. Uh, and if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I don't know if it will hit. Um, I would have done, if I had you and Horner on a zoom call, you know, three years ago, I would have done that with certain, certain stocks, but I didn't know. Most people walk into stocks, buy it, sell it, do that for two years. Then they know, then they figure out what options are. Then a year later, they figure out what covered calls and, uh, covered puts is that what you call them? Covered puts, I call them naked puts sometimes. Um, and yeah, cash covered put a naked yeah. put would be buying the put or selling the put. And this is when I realized most like Republican and conservative people usually do this because it's it's a little, it's kind of a win win position. Like you're you're buying the right you're, you're giving up the right to buy something at a lower value or sell something at a higher value. Uh, and the only the only mistake you make and like something like I can give an example. Like I had Palantir. I had a twenty five dollar call on Palantir last week. Covered call. So I had 100 shares. I did it on like Tuesday when it was around $21. I think shot up to like 32 by Friday, came back down to 27. I ended up having to sell 
my hundred shares for twenty five dollars each. Uh, twenty five hundred dollars is what I got. Missed out on two hundred and fifty bucks or so. Uh, but today I turned around and added added to my position because I have three calls in the Palantir for a strike date of November of twenty twenty one at thirty bucks. So um, I, I was playing different games on Palantir altogether. I threw a lot at you, but that was that's my fastest horse right now. But that's the whole point of option trading. There's a lot of things you can get involved with, and it can get dangerous. Um, John, anything you want to add on the cash-covered put side? So when I first started doing this, I thought, who would ever mess with puts? You know, that's like betting the under in sports. You know? <laughs> it's a lucrative endeavor. You would be surprised. But as you <laughs> learn and, and see how great this tool can be, um, so let's start with buying the put. So, and, it, and buying the put, it's the opposite of what your, your head is thinking. So I'm actually selling the share. So why on earth would I ever want to buy a put? So in my marathon example, like I said, I bought it $4.50. Um, if I, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. If, if marathon, which right now is in the sixes, if I'm happy with that profit and I think marathon is going right now, but I don't see this going long-term, I can do what's called buying a put. And that gives me the right to sell my shares at a specific price, whether it goes beneath there or not. So my example, I bought Marathon at $4.50. Let's say it's at $6.06. I'm going to buy the put at $6. That is locked in my $150 profit on the equity. And in this example, I will have to pay a premium. I may have to pay $4, $7 to do that deal, but I'm locking in my profit. That is what's going on in the buyer of a put's head. He, he or she has got the profit they have. They're riding on a high. They want to lock in their profits. They buy the put. What we're chasing is selling puts. We feel comfortable on a price that we're willing to enter a position at. Let's use Goodyear Tire. We, as, as Grant, <laughs> I'm just using Goodyear. It's a nice even. It's right around $10. Uh, Grant just talked about earlier how he looks at past performance of a couple months. We look and we see that maybe Goodyear's been in the eight to low nines. We're going to do what's called selling a put and we're going to do at $9. So same thing, expiration date of 12.4. If the price of Goodyear is $9 or lower, Josh, you were correct, it is put to you at $9. So whether it's $8 or $4.10, we purchase it at $9. So you're thinking, there's a lot of risk because that thing could go to zero. Again, we are only selling puts on stocks we want to be in long term. We are determining the value of we're comfortable with getting in. There are a lot of people out there who only enter positions by selling puts. You yeah, know? I wouldn't do. No, jump in ahead. right. 
real quick is when I look at a, a stock, let's say like Palantir, and if you did want to own it, like, okay, well, why not sell a put on it, right? Is that $26.99? Well, I'm going to just sell the $24 put or Goodyear. I'm going to sell the $9 put, right? Instead of just going in and hit the market buy order and buying it at $10.50 uh, on Goodyear, you you buy it for $9. If it drops to eight, you were going to buy it for $10.50 anyway, and someone paid you to buy it at nine. That's That's a short put. Yeah, you're exactly right because let's say in the Goodyear example, it closes at $9.10. Okay, shoot, we didn't get our stock, but we still have that premium and we do it again next week. If we can get an extra $35 before we even enter the position, that is, that's the object of the game. Yeah, I call it... I call it premium farming. We're just trying to pull out as much premium in the game. And I know you're not a huge premium guy, but all right, I really like this stock. Let me just go ahead and pull some premium out of it before I buy it. Um, that's how I kind of look at, at doing puts, um, especially cash covered puts. The reason we say cash covered is you have to have the cash. If you go to do it in like a Robin Hood, that cash that would be required to buy that put will come right out of your account. Yes. So speak, speaking of Robinhood, Robinhood will only allow you to do covered calls, um, cash secured puts. Uh, something that a term people may have heard are called naked calls. This is when you are selling the $13 Goodyear to Josh, but you don't own the shares. Yeah. So let's say I sell the $13 call to Josh. He gives me $14. Okay. I don't have the shares, but if it ends below 13, I keep the premium on a $0 investment because I never purchased the shares. Here's where naked calls and anything naked is just terrible. If Goodyear rockets to 23, they come out with some new snow tire. It goes to $23. Guess what? I have to go to the market and buy it for $23 and sell it to Josh for 13. So this is why, and Robinhood will not let you do this. Um, this is why we avoid naked calls, um, naked puts. We, we want to own the shares. Now to kind of tie it together, because you said I'm not a premium guy. This is where you can make some premiums. And you mentioned Tesla. You're not a fan of, but Tesla right now is very volatile, so it has nice premiums. So to kind of tie these two together in a double trade, if you will, in two weeks, let's say I buy Tesla at $500, and I'm going to sell the $550 call. Great week. Tesla goes to $580. Great. I just made five grand on the stock. I got the premium to do that. I didn't chase it. I didn't go back and buy it, even though it went to 580. What, what's your next play? The next week, and you mentioned that you guys uh, did this, I would turn around and sell the 550 put the following week. A, you get a little more premium for puts because there is higher risk. But if you find a price that you're comfortable with, whether it's the 550 of Tesla, the 5. 50 of marathon, 11 of what, whatever it may be, you are covering both sides. Now you sold the call one week and you're now selling the put the next week. What's great about that play is you're just eating the premiums in between. 
Um, I've done this a handful of times with Square, uh, where you you're in the stock, it gets called away, let's say 200, then you decide to run the put at 195, then it gets put to you, then you just run the call back the following week at 210, and it gets called away from you. There's a lot of volatility there, and there's a lot of money to be made in the interim with those premiums. Tesla is a great stock. Now, don't get me wrong, you need 60 grand in Robinhood to make these plays. <laughs> You yes, big boy uh, pants on. Th this is where the buying of calls comes into play. And you, you get the um, – let me think how to say this. You, you get the, the know-it-all at the lunch table who says, oh, I've got Tesla calls, I'm buying, blah, blah, blah. What, what they don't realize <laughs> don't is that things go south, guess what? You have, you have to go out and buy 100 shares of Tesla. You are right. So, um, I, I, I can't stress enough. We want to be on the covered side. We want to own the shares and be the guy calling the shots at the table, not the one hoping things go right to make money. Absolutely. We want to be selling the hopium, not doing the hopium. So in to get to, to go off that point, just one more layer. Uh, you may have heard of spreads. Mm -hmm. You may buy the 530 Tesla and sell the 550. Okay, so now you've got both ends covered. If Tesla ends in anywhere in between there, um, depending on if you get out of your position early or not, you can make a lot of money. But that is advanced options, something for a different day. Yeah, we'll come back to options too. Uh, I think it's going to be, um, we have a really dense episode. It's going to be a little bit bouncing around. Uh, what we're going to need is we're going to need somebody who's less experienced, but wants to be more interested in options to come back on another show when we do options part two and ask them, hey, teach us and teach me and walk me through. We almost need a little bit of a marker board as well. Grant, what do you have right now to add? Do you have anything? No, I'm just listening. These are all interesting points. You know, I obviously do cover calls and options. I don't do many puts. You, you alluded to the dangers in the puts and naked puts is what you called them. Uh, I currently have a couple of positions in the market with calls and covered calls that I, I do weekly. And uh, it was brought to me by Josh, who in turn probably learned it from you, Horner. So I appreciate the HR and you uh, coming from a company side saying, hey, you should do this. You could just make a couple extra bucks weekly. Um, that way you can go to dinner with your wife and afford it. <laughs> uh, what are the questions do you think either you have grant or that the listeners might have? I think they would want to know, uh, how do you identify the stock? Is it really just, Hey, I like this stock. Let's go look at it. Or what, what are there, what are the metrics you use? Uh, that's, that's a good question because the option game is, let me think how to say this. You want to look at stocks that are heavily traded. Um, so what, what something, Hey, I'm a new investor. I only have $500 in my account. I can't do options. That's not true. What I would tell somebody on that example is to search, whether it's in your Robin hood or SoFi, whatever you're doing, go to the top hundred popular stocks and sort those by price and you'll be shocked to see you know gopro nymt mfa there'll be stocks that are three to four hundred 
three to four dollars a share and remember we got to have a hundred shares of these and just look at the premiums click on a strike date whether it's 12 4 12 11 and just look um marathon what's a seven dollar and fifty cent call right now uh what is it on thursday what is it on friday as it gets closer to strike date and just just learn you don't have to jump in feet first on this this is something that you definitely want to be educated on and know your risk going in so are there specific industries you're focused on now or what if someone came um, to you and was like i want to get in the marijuana industry it's cheap what do i do what would you say to that if somebody came to me on that that's going to be <laughs> a good trading stock because a there's a lot of hype around it right now and b there's a lot of volatility you know, when I think of a, a great stock, and I've heard you say this stock in previous podcasts, is McDonald's. Well, guess what? McDonald's is a terrible stock to trade. And you may think, that, well, that's crazy. Well, McDonald's hovers around 210 to 225 almost all the time. Okay. So yeah. when you go to sell a covered call in McDonald's, you may only get $17 on a $22,000 investment. Um, hey, if you're happy with that, <laughs> it, that's good. It's, I'm not saying to do risky plays, but those are the things I'm looking at. I'm looking at the popularity and I'm looking at almost the buzz around it. You know, so the, the, Tesla's, the, the McDonald's, the, the Coca-Cola's, the AT&T's, they shift a dollar or two historically. It's like, hey, you're just not going to get anything in there. Exactly right. Um, exactly right. Nice. Yeah, I think Tilray was a good example in the marijuana situation. If you were to right now, if you were to go out and you had $800 in your trading account, you could go in and sell the $8 put for $25. Like you would get 25 cents per share for $25. That's a 3% return right off the get go. Uh, I think that's a really good example. Um, to just kind of wade in. And I, I like what you said, John, do not jump in both feet. You need to wade this in. You need to play with them for a couple of weeks. You can't just go running full speed. You got to kind of figure it out. I remember when I first started, I would talk to you at least every week for about a month to make sure I'm like, all right, here's what happened. Here's the situation. What do we do now? I, I think that's very smart. And like you said, with the whiteboard, just draw it out. Hey, I'm purchasing a hundred shares at $10. Okay. I'm in for a thousand dollars. What happens if I sell it for $12? Write down your premium. Go through the example of a Monday to Friday or however long your trade is. And just to touch on that, um, I couldn't help but think when you're talking about those percentages. Isn't it just fun to keep up with the market and see how things are, are, are going up and down? And it really does test you when you sell a call for $25, you wake up and it's 78 bucks and you're like, man, do I buy it back? Do I roll it out? What do I do? I mean, I, it's, it's fun. It also makes you a better dinner party guest because you're the guy that knows the market. Yeah. I know we can't do a lot of dinner parties right now because of COVID, but when it comes back time, you're going to be like, yeah, I trade options. What, what? <laughs> I also get to the point too, where I'm like super hyper focused on like three to four stocks right now that I know are going to continue to rise and not let, I mean, I go through my, I go through the market every night and look at everything and think like half this stuff means nothing to me. Like they're just, they're just going to go up and down and there's just no direction. No one's making a whole lot of money. And when they do come back, 
but I do have three to four stocks that I, I typically spend quite a bit of time on that I feel like are the future. And if you can catch them right before the rising, um, that's really where I play my call game. I will admittedly say that I had a good girlfriend of mine get married to a guy who was high up in the, the marijuana industry. And two years ago, she was like, Hey man, you just need to hit puts, puts all day on this. It's just like a, it's unregulated right now. This is weed stocks. This is unregulated right now. They just have corrupt ownership. Like there's just no way these things are going to grow within the next year or two. And this was like back in 2018. So I spent like most of 2019 just every time there was an earnings call, I would just put a put on a marijuana stock and I would just clean up, you know, 10, 15, 20% and sell it two days later, which is super volatile. Don't recommend that. But I also had somebody who I knew on the inside would just tell me, hey man, this is just a shit. Like these just companies just can't, they can't produce at the level what people think a trillion dollar company is. Specifically, when not not all of it's legal in America, only in Canada. That's a great point. Um, to the point we we're trying to get when when we're trading, we're trying to find those volatile stocks where people misprice them, and if we could take advantage of them, we will. There is somebody out there that is willing to be on the other end of your deal. <laughs> I could sell somebody a thirty dollar good year. And there's somebody in Baltimore, Maryland, that is a believer and will buy that on the other end of that option call. I like what, what I referenced to, to you today, Grant, is I, if you follow Wall Street Bets, it's a really good platform to go to. Uh, just on Reddit, it's funny because they're, they're what's called a meme stock. It's a stock that everyone is making fun of. Like, they're all hyping it up. They're making different memes. It's funny. Um, but these meme stocks, which they've all been – I could, I could name two dozen of them for you. Uh, right now, Palantir is a meme stock. So that tells me, I'm like, ah, maybe it's getting a little overheated. I'm going to go sell low out of the money puts and see if it comes back to me at 21, you know, 20, $21. I'll take it for that. I sold out the calls. You know, I caught a big run up on that. So it's like, I, I'm waiting for it. Like you said, don't chase. I'm going to let it come back to me. But again, the hubbub that you mentioned, um, the media fervor, the memeified stocks, those are really good stocks to trade a lot in. Those are hard not to chase sometimes though, because it sucks to see money or cash in your in your account. Like if it's in your account, nothing, nothing it's not working for you. So you always want to put it somewhere, right? Do you ever just look at that and be like, I can't wait till it gets to twenty one? All right, I'm gonna buy this stock over here for a little bit and hold it. Then you just forget about it. Do you ever do that? I I do. Um, I not as much. I have a handful of stocks that just get stuffed away, but I am pretty much an option trader with my uh, portfolio these days. And I let my 401k do the, the slow grind, the slow crawl, the buy and holds. Yeah. I take a cold shower every day, buy an ETF, go to work, you know, <laughs> lather, rinse, repeat. I get it. Yeah. You, just, you eat cereal every morning. <laughs> I'm a grinder. I don't eat cereal. I don't eat <laughs> breakfast. That's why they call it breakfast, right? You just yeah. break from fasting. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, anything else? Horner, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find more about you? Um, well, I am very interested in this options call part two. I would love to join the show again um, to because we've just touched the surface. And again, someone listening to this podcast, it, it's your lucky day. Because if I could go back to being 20 years old and listen to this podcast, uh, and I was the guy in school we'd have guest speakers and I wouldn't listen to what they would say. And if I could go back, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just being honest. If I could go back and somebody would have shown me this, even at 10 years old, 15 years old, and I got the grasp of this selling covered calls, it, it's game changer. So I couldn't be more happy to be on this podcast and just 
be the tip of the iceberg for somebody starting their Our apartment would have looked a lot different, a lot more screens, <laughs> a lot more uh, ticker yeah. numbers uh, flying around. Grant, anything to add? No, I just want to know before I you, I just want to hear your opinion on Bitcoin. What, do you buy it? Do you not buy it? What's your opinion? Give me uh, in January, what, what's it going to be at? Um, so Josh has got me in on on the Bitcoin. I've probably got half a Bitcoin. Oh, um, strong. Yeah. I was selling calls on Bitcoin when it was about 10,000. It jumped to 15,000, got away from me. I didn't have enough in that account to uh, get that back. I was trying to sell the puts, just like we explained. I never got put back to me. So I have just purchased it and I've put it away. Um, but no, I, I am a weekly buyer of Bitcoin. Um, Josh has got me in on it. I, I, I can't give my stamp on something I don't know a hundred percent about, but I'm doing the research. Um, but I'll tell you what, anybody who gets in on this covered call and put game and can grind those two to 3% a week, that's where I'm going to stay. <laughs> yeah. I really like that attitude where you're stacking weekly Bitcoin, but then you have your kind of grinder and you're grinding out your, you know, one to 2% a week. And then what you can do is you can take that one to 2% and then you can just slowly bleed that into Bitcoin to give you kind of a <laughs> solid base on some sound money. So what, one thing, um, you say, how do you find the stocks you're doing? I, I kind of look at these as rental properties and people are paying me rent. Um, not to get off topic, but you know, when you get your account and you've got an Apple and you've got an American Express and you've got a Starbucks, I kind of look at these as my rental properties and these are giving me income per week for the option to sell those at a price I pick. How is that not a winner? You have full agreement here. I really like that example. Yeah, I'm renting you my stocks. You can sell them for 118 if it gets there. Good luck. You know, I think that's a very good example. Well said. Well, before we get out of here, last words, John. I just appreciate you guys having me on here. I would love to be uh, on the second podcast, and I really like what you guys are doing. Love the guest. Love the energy for Bitcoin and um, it, it really helps because like I started this, um, I'm seeing the average Joe, if you will, starting their career with what is a 401k. Um, there's so many vehicles and so many ways to save money and make money. I think it's great what you guys are doing, introducing those to people. We appreciate it. Uh, it's the goal is to help people get ready. Grant, final words. Yeah, uh, get ready. That's that's what happens. What luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. So let's get ready.